On today's episode of Tell Me What You Know, we're talking about the Fermi Paradox. There are billions of galaxies with billions of stars in the known universe, and an astronomical number of these stars are similar to our sun and have planets similar to our Earth, where conditions are ripe for life as we know it. So if there is so much potential for life in the universe, why haven't we seen any signs of it? We'll discuss the paradox and dive into some possible explanations. And then we're spelunking. We are going to plunge you into the deep and dark world of caves. Caves are natural openings in the ground created by erosion and tectonics. They house some of the strangest looking animals and insects as these species have learned to use the lack of light and food to their advantage, like how bats use echolocation to create a detailed map of their interiors. Let's go deep on caves, because this is Tell Me What You Know. How's it going, everybody? Today is Tuesday, June the 30th. This is episode 10, season 2 of Tell Me What You Know. It's Early almost, 4th of July? Yeah, I mean, we are six months into this month, this year already. Feels like yesterday. Feels like yesterday. All my troubles seem so far away. <laughs> oh, uh, man. Anyway, what's, what's new? What's going on? Not too much. Yeah. I did see an interesting story that relates to some of our topics. Okay. Uh, mixture of heists and hackers. Heists and hackers. Heists and hacking. Sounds like a title left for episodes. Basically, this story was a lot more interesting than I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. But um, there was a painting in the UK, and there was a museum owner that wanted to purchase the painting, okay. but didn't have any money. <laughs> so they loaned him the painting, and then um, he was going to raise the funds from like some state grants and some people coming to see the painting so it's kind of like a loner mm-hmm. and so he raises the three million dollars for the painting and then he goes to send like wire the the actual owner the money yeah and he gets an email from them uh with like updated uh wire information bank account information he's like could i should i really be wiring this to hong kong <laughs> Uh, but the email came, I guess, from the from the owner's email, oh. and sent them the sent them the money. Money is now gone. Of course, he says he's paid for it, and I sent this to the the information you gave me. They're now saying like, no, you sent it to the wrong place. Like you still owe us three million dollars. Came from his website, his email address though. People are calling it you know the perfect art heist because yeah. they never had to steal it and they never had to find like a buyer. They just stole the money in transit right before. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. All you had to do was hack an email. <laughs> all you had to do was hack. Not hard at all. No. I didn't find a guy who had a $3 million painting laying around. Hey, I wonder who tipped off the people to this. Like, then this guy is going to be sending $3 million. Well, it just, just makes you in. think that these guys are just always monitoring and just waiting for opportunity. It's not like, I don't think they were like, oh, I'm going to hack this guy because I heard that he's trying to sell this painting. It was like, he probably just had access to his email the whole time. You think? I don't know. Probably. Right? Just, and they're just like, just waiting for the perfect moment. Yeah. They're like, oh, here, this hmm. is great. This guy's about to just. PayPal and three three million dollars. See if we can get in there real quick. Yeah, maybe send him the cash tag. Maybe you're right. Maybe. Yeah. maybe do you think someone's watching you about to like step in and hack you? I don't know. I had like some charges from a Chipotle in Ventura Beach, California. That's right. It's kind of bullshit. real optimistic. Yeah, during during a pandemic, you think I'm in California? <laughs> you think I went to Chipotle three times in two days? But that is probably actually accurate to my bank statements. I've been to Chipotle several times in a span of three days before. The location that or the 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 place you're buying the food is not the the random thing yeah but it's the fact that we're in lockdown and there's charges in california right thought they had a really good algorithm anyway i don't know i mean i think last week before we started the show we started talking about sports being back now it's looking a lot 
you think grimmer. You think it's not going to I mean, now, like three, three Nuggets players have been tested positive for coronavirus. Yeah. Like all these golf players are sitting out. Paris English. Yeah. Got tested yeah. positive. Uh, some baseball players are saying they're not going to play. Hmm. Ryan Zimmerman said he's not going to play this season. Really? Yeah. All wow. that kind of stuff. So That sucks. It'll go on. I think something I think, will happen, but I think this is just sort of the world we're living in right now, and it will kind of have to shake itself out. Yeah. But but people are just going to have to be, you know, aware that if they get if they test positive, they're going to have to quarantine for two weeks or whatever. Yeah, sucks. It sucks. New normal. Well, let's jump into today's episode. We're going to, have to make a lot of assumptions here. I did not do any of this math. Okay. Uh, so we're going to be doing a lot of speculating, a lot of assuming, and a lot of uh, math has already been done for me. Great. But we're going to talk about something super interesting. It's kind of combining aliens and yes. space. Yes. Michael, tell me what you know about the Fermi paradox. The Fermi paradox. Yes. Yes. So the Fermi paradox is... like It also... I think what you're talking about is the assumptions in the Drake equation, which is Keep going. And the fair, well, the Fermi paradox is basically that if there should be a lot of life out there and the paradox is why, why there isn't right. Like, or why we haven't heard, why it. we haven't heard from yeah. it. Yeah. And so, yeah, is it like, you know, advanced civilizations will eventually kill themselves before, you know, reaching some stage where they could potentially interstellar travel. Um, all this stuff. You got a pretty good baseline. It's like for a, it. yeah, that's the basic. Yeah. So point. let's tell me more. Let's start by just laying out some groundwork, right? <clears throat> so if you look at the universe is big. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for every star in our galaxy, there's an equal number of galaxies in the universe. So scientists will estimate 100 to, uh, 100 to 400 billion stars in our galaxy. So there's 100 to 400 billion galaxies out there with their own astronomical number of stars. Astronomical number of stars. In other words, for every star in the Milky Way, there's a galaxy out there with its own stars. Mm-hmm. To put it one more way, for every grain of sand on the beach on on every beach on Earth, there are ten thousand stars out there. That's absolutely insane. Okay, so it's big. the 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 known universe is like ninety billion light years long, right? Something like that. It would take you ninety billion years to get from one end to the other. That's what you're saying. At the, traveling at the speed of light. Yeah. Yes. But what I'm saying is, doesn't that? Kind but it's of sound expanding. Like- Right. So it could be bigger than just getting bigger all the time. Right. And I let's don't know how, how much is expanding. It's let's go. With, it's big. It's big. All right. It's big. Um, so there's we there's 10,000 stars for every grain of sand out there, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Science isn't in total agreement with how many of those stars are sun-like, sun, sun-like, i.e. how many of those could support an Earth-like planet. But again, the speculation is the range <clears throat> five to twenty percent of those are probably sun-like. If we take the more conservative number, there we're talking five hundred quintillion potential sun-like stars. Yeah, I mean that's a lot. Five hundred billion billion stars. Okay. There's also a debate on how many of those stars have a planet in what I like to call the Goldilocks zone. It's not too close. It's not too far away. Did it's you come just up with that? right. <laughs> I, I did. I don't. I didn't see. I mean, I'm sure it's out there, but I just. Oh yeah, that's oh, oh, okay. Oh yeah. I, I saw that. I, I didn't think that I came up with it, but that's just what I was calling it in my notes. Great. Well, that was loud. Jesus. It's like an earthquake over here. The Goldilocks zone. So there's a debate on how many of those planets, sorry, how many of those stars have a planet in that perfect zone where life, as we know it, 
could begin to evolve and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So if we go on conservative predictions once more, there are potentially 100 billion billion Earth-like planets in the universe. So if we speculate even further from, from that, right? After billions of years, maybe life starts to, to, to come about on some of those planets. And a small, on a small percentage of those planets where life starts, an even smaller percentage of that, those groups advance to an intelligence level like we have here on Earth. So we look at 1% of the potential Earth-like planets developing life. And 1% of those Earth-like planets with life having an advance to an intelligence level similar to here on Earth uh, we're talking still really large numbers, 10 quadrillion or 10 million billion potential civilizations that are out there. <laughs> so you got to try and stay with me here for a second. Yeah. Uh, so if we look, if we take that just to the Milky Way and not the entire universe and use that same math, we would estimate there's a billion Earth-like planets and 100,000 intelligent civilizations in our galaxy. And there's an organization called SETI, Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence. They're dedicated to listening for signals of other intelligent life out in the vastness of space. If the estimates are accurate and any of them are sending out some kind of attempts of, of contacting others, we would have heard it. But we haven't heard anything ever. We haven't seen anything. We haven't heard anything. So we start asking why, right? Scientists say there's potentially there's three types of civilizations. Type one, type two, and type three. Our sun is relatively long, young when looking at the, the long lifespan of the universe. It's only four or five billion years old, I think, something like that. Yeah. Maybe eight. I, I think it's a little bit older. Yeah, six to eight. Yeah. Something like that. Because I think the Earth is around four billion. Right. Okay. Uh, yes. So there are much older stars, which would mean that any of those Earth-like planets would have a really big head start on us, like billions of years head start on developing life. So, I mean, if you imagine a civilization just 100 years more advanced than us, like the year 2122, I think that technology would blow our minds. Not to mention a billion year head start on us, right? Yeah. Or eight billion year head start on us, four billion years, whatever. Um, so there's the Kardashev scale that groups intel- intelligent civilizations into three categories based on the amount of energy they use and how they how they get this energy. Hmm. A type one civilization has the ability to use all the energy on their planet. We aren't quite there yet. Uh, Carl Sagan came up with a formula that put us at about a point seven. So we're like a point seven type point seven civilization. Okay. A type two can harness all the energy of not only their planet, but of their host star. Hmm. So taking all the power of the sun and being able to manipulate it and whatever. Our, our brains came and really begin to compute this, but there have been some theories like the Dyson sphere. I'm not going to get into that because my mind hurts too much already, but look it up. It's pretty interesting stuff yeah. as well. Type three can harness all the energy of the galaxy. It's like playing a video game on God mode. I mean, you have all the, you have complete control of your galaxy. basically. Yeah. Um, so if you think about the example earlier with a planet that is similar to ours, but that's a couple billion year head start, if they were able to make it a type, th- if they were able to make it the type three, then they could potentially colonize the galaxy, right? Mm-hmm. That's the theory at least. So at this stage, the theory is that you could send people to colonize planets, live off the raw materials on those planets for 500 years or so, then send two replica machines out and do the same thing, right? And so not even traveling at the speed of light, the math has been done. You could colonize, in theory, the entire galaxy in 3.75 million years, which seems like a long time, but it's just kind of a drop in the bucket in terms of the whole lifespan of everything here. Right. And if you're still with me at this point, just hang in there. We're, we're, we're still getting somewhere. So we go back to the math and say that even 1% of the potential evolved civilizations that we talked about earlier reach type 3. There should be at least 1,000 type 3 civilizations in our galaxy. But that would mean they could use all the energy in the galaxy? 
Okay. Correct. I mean, this is all speculation and numbers, right? If we're just doing the 1% of the 1% of the 1%, that kind of thing, it should be right. at least 1,000 type 3 civilizations in our galaxy. But we see nothing, we hear nothing. So where is everybody? This is the Fermi paradox. There's not an answer. There are possible explanations. And the, the explanations, you fall into either type so there's there's basically two schools of thought here. I think there's several more. I mean, the article I was reading on weight, but why was saying if you ask ten scientists about it, you'll get ten different answers. Uh, but they they generally kind of fall into two categories. First, uh, there's those that think that signs from type two and type three civilizations aren't there because those civilizations don't exist. I believe that. Uh, and then there's the other side, the the second bucket that type two and type three do exist, but we're not hearing them for reasons. We'll get into those reasons after. Let's talk about the first one first. Here. Mm -hmm. So explanation one, there are no higher civilizations in existence. Uh, this group of scientists, they look at the numbers and they say there are so many millions of potential civilizations out there. If we haven't heard from them, they don't exist, basically. Uh, and their their big proposition here is the great filter. And so basically, if you look at the span of life pre-life, pre-civilization that would be considered type three, there's a wall. It's like an end, right? And if this is true, you have to figure out where in this timeline does this great filter occur? Are we past it or is it still out there in our future? The article I read breaks down into three groups. We're rare. Talk about humans, us. Mm -hmm. We're rare, we're first, or we're fucked. Mm -hmm. Okay? So, and this is very surface level stuff here. I'm sure you could dive way deeper into it. The first category, we're rare. The great filter is behind us. We've passed it. And we're the highest form of intelligent life in the universe, basically. And we're or in our galaxy, rather. And we're, right. we're advancing to this with this potential to reach the super intelligence. We're first, which means more we're early. Conditions are just now allowing for intelligent life to thrive. So we're on our way to super intelligence. Maybe this is the first time that life has been allowed to evolve for this long without, you know, gamma ray bursts that just incinerate everything or mm -hmm. volcanoes and asteroids and all that kind of stuff. Maybe we're in this transition period where life is just now beginning to be able to evolve. And so we're in the, the early stages here. Right. Or we're fucked and the great filters ahead of us. Uh, basically, life often and regularly evolves to where we are, where we are right now, but there's a wall that we just can't get past. And this has led some scientists to say, you know, no news is good news, talking about potentially finding <clears throat> signs of life on Mars or other planets, for mm -hmm. example, because that would basically destroy any theory that the great filters behind us. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so they say, if you know, if you find any kind of fossils of complex civilizations on another planet, you're almost all but guaranteeing that the great filter is in front of us and we're doomed, basically. Right. Hmm. Explanation two, type two and three life is out there, but we haven't heard it or seen it because of these reasons. There's tons of possibilities here. I'm just going to kind of rattle through them because I feel like I'm. This is there's a lot you just got to jump into. This. Yeah. I think you need to go read more on your own about it probably to get the real story here. I just thought it was really interesting. So, super intelligent life is out there and could have visited Earth, but they stopped by while we weren't home. They came way before us, and I mean, you know, human life's only been around for. They could have come five billion years ago, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, there's nobody here. Could have come that ten thousand years ago. They could have come. Well, we'll get we'll get into this a little bit later. So they came when we when we weren't here yet. Number two, the galaxy is being colonized. We just live in a super rural part of the galaxy, and they're either not here yet, or they decided they're not coming this way. Right. We're just some like little speck out in We're the little middle of nothing. That, yeah. Yeah. It's like don't worry about it. Yeah. We're not going to be colonized. Number three, there's a predator civilization. There are sorry, there are several predator civilizations out there, and these advanced civilizations know better than to broadcast signals out into space. Okay. <laughs> you don't really like that one that much. Well, it seems kind of odd to me. Just in the sense that, like, if you you have predators because 
you need to like you need to consume them for for your own requirements, right? Like I'm a bear eating salmon because I need I need right. the nutrients. I'm a predator. Mm-hmm. What what we we pose no threat to a civilization out there amongst the stars that if like you if you found something, I don't think you would feel the need to extinguish us. Right. Just because. And see, this is where my brain breaks every time because I start thinking like that. Then I'm like, oh, but like we have no idea what's out there. This like rationale could make just completely no sense anywhere else. Right. Like we don't, we're only seeing it from our viewpoint. Like who knows what else I can't even like put it into, I can't articulate I, what I'm so trying to say. I've, of, I've often thought about that. And I think, I think it's sort of an odd, a, a, an odd conclusion to make that out there amongst the universe, things would be so much different than they are here. Just in the sense that I'm sure there are, you know, extremely, um, you know, difficult environments, right? Like, like Venus and stuff like we, we could not live there. Nothing can live there that as we understand right. it. But I mean, do we, does it also really matter if we find a planet that has like, I don't know, some life form on it that would never have a chance of getting off the planet or anything? I mean, I, I, I think this would, this would signify that, that life is almost everywhere then. Like if, if yeah. say, say we go to a moon of Jupiter and we find that there's some like whale like things in the ice uh-huh. and they're like, they eat something that would mean that literally everywhere we would look, there would be life. Yeah. Similarly, like on the planet, you brought up in caves, uh, or <laughs> well, we switched the switched the we switched the topics up today. Michael the Mariana, went first. The Mariana Trench. Yeah, we would. Fi- like we you'll fi- hear about later in the episode. <laughs> we find life at the bottom of the ocean, near lava flows, and everything. Even places on the planet where we wouldn't expect to find life, we find even ba- mm. we find bacterial life. Like we've colonized every inch yeah. of the of the Earth. Um, no, I hear what you're saying, but then, just, but then I go back to the circle of like, well, you're rationalizing this in your human brain from earth. Like how, like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, there's just no way to ever, to ever know that. Yeah. But, but I guess what I'm saying is that it's like, if we look for, like when we look out amongst the stars, yeah, I don't think it's a logical conclusion to say, well, that looks like a plan. It looks like a sun that should act like our sun. It does act like our sun. Like it does very similar things. I'm not saying that we haven't found things that are um, odd or mm-hmm. like things that are doing things that we've never seen before. Or why is this planet or why is this sun emitting a certain wavelength of light or whatever? Yeah. I'm just saying um, we use like spectroscopy, right? So like you can figure out what kind of what kind of uh, light is being burned, like what energy source is being burned from way over there. Yeah. Like, millions and millions of light years away we know that's burning hydrogen like same thing happens when we do the same thing looking at our sun Mm -hmm. so i think it's like pretty logical just to say from that one conclusion hey we've noticed something coming from our sun we're applying it to these stars and suns way out in the galaxy out in other galaxies they they seem to be acting the same way so does it mean that the universe has to be that much more complex and interesting or is it just sort of like we're seeing a bunch of the same thing everywhere we look. I don't know. Maybe. Let me finish up with this list and then we'll jump into more conversation because I think we can have some conversation about this. Yeah. So you have, the last one I mentioned was there were you know, multiple predator civilizations and other theories that there's one apex civilization that stays at the top by eliminating all other civilizations. So we don't know about them yet because we're still alive. Right. And now we'll find out when they incinerate our planet. 
that's no moon. That's a death star. <laughs> um, there are plenty of signals out there. We're too primitive to receive them. Mm-hmm. Similarly, there's higher civilizations all around us, but we're too primitive to perceive them. Okay. They're <laughs> so, in like different dimensions. And- yeah, sure. Yeah. There's the zoo hypothesis that we're being observed by other civilizations. We're basically the Truman show for Blorp. He's just watching us on TV right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He loves this episode. Oh, yes. Yeah. Great. Uh, government's hiding info from us, mm-hmm. which is possible. Uh, or we're completely wrong about our reality. Like you mentioned, was it last week or a few weeks? The Matrix, basically. We're, we're in a simulation. We're in a simulation, yeah. Uh, to wrap it up, true. Bill Nye kind of gave a pretty standard answer, and it makes sense, but he was like, we've only been listening for 50 years, idiots. Like, that's you have to send, You have to be able to send out this stuff and receive it like in conjunction with another civilization doing the same thing. Right. So the timing is just that gotta be perfect. That basically. to me is more logical. Yeah. Like we haven't been listening that long. So like we've only been long. getting light for 50 years Yeah. or, you know, right. Listening for 50. Um, yeah. I mean, that's nothing. And like our first broadcast that could actually get out there was, I watch movie contact all the time. Yeah. Jodie Foster. She's in SETI. Um, in in that movie, they get um, the the 1932 Olympic Games back. Hitler, Hitler announcing the the start of it, and that was like the first message that they thought was sent into space with any mm-hmm. power that could reach another planet or whatever. Yeah. So that's you know 1932. That's not that long ago. Cool. Fermi Fermi paradox. To wrap it up, basically, there's billions upon billions of pla- of stars that have billions of planets, and then the potential for these planets to be like earth. There's millions and millions and millions of opportunities. So why haven't we found life? This tries to answer that question. Yeah. So where do you fall on the rationale? Cause obviously, well, not, maybe not obviously to your point about maybe there are civilizations around us that we just can't perceive. Yeah. That one seems the most far fetched to me, but like, again, if I can't perceive it, why would I be able to pretend to rationalize it? Like, right. <laughs> it's just, there's an alien right next to me right now. Right. Is that sitting there? It could be, I guess. I don't know. Well, um, and also you have to kind of like not think of necessarily aliens as aliens and more like just some other kind of life form. I I picture like, I don't even know. Well, I thought I remember hearing a story that when um, like Cortez showed up in the new world and the Indians that were here, that mines, I forget which civilization he was walked up on. Um, But he's like bringing the ships in to the coast and supposedly the Indians like couldn't see him. They couldn't, he, they, their, their minds just like created a void because uh. they couldn't wrap their heads around what they were seeing. They never seen a ship like that yeah. before. So like, that's gonna be crazy. Maybe if your mind can't make sense of it, it just blots oh, it out. Yeah, maybe that's what that, I, I have to look into that more, but that was something I'd heard. But to answer your question about where I fall on this, uh, especially in recent events, I can't imagine that we're that intelligent, like that advanced. Like it's just, <laughs> if, if we're a TV show somewhere for somebody, we deserve to be canceled. Like, yeah, it's kind of just like, all right, there's just nothing redeeming. Well, I, I, I thought was thought of, it was a funny idea for a movie or like a TV show. If yeah. we started receiving another civilization's TV yeah. and we're just sitting here watching episodes. Yeah. It'd be kind of funny, but yeah, to that point, like, I don't know where the gray filter know. is. I would probably fall more along the lines of the second group that there's there's reasons why we haven't. Not that there's no intelligent life out there, or there's no higher intelligent life out there. I think there probably is, just because if you look at the, the make 
makes sense to me that there's like throughout the whole timeline, there's just so many years, so much oh, time yeah. to develop stuff that well, and also I can't imagine we're the first. And also to your point about trying to find planets that could potentially be habitable, we're already finding those planets. Yeah. And, and if they're, we're way already older, finding, they're way older than us. Yeah, or much larger. Right. And if we're already finding planets like that, then they're way, way more prevalent and, and exist at a much higher rate than right. we can imagine. So I would imagine they've already been here. You think they've already been here? Maybe they'll come back. I don't know. I just, I think it's, even if you traveled at the speed of light, you're not getting very far. For sure. But if you started that journey three billion years ago. Well, You'd have to, this is where I'm not sure if what we would encounter would necessarily be the, the first life form. Like I could see us building an AI, mm-hmm. putting that on a spaceship and sending that out into the universe to colonize, but we are not actually sending our biological mm. selves because it's, we need this, you know, we need this planet yeah. in order to stay, uh, stay alive. Right. There's also a thought that I've had was like, we basically already are on a spaceship flying through space looking for um, other civilizations, right? So, like, we're orbiting around a black hole at the center of, the uni- of, of yeah. our galaxy, and, like, we go through dust clouds of other of the other places. Andromeda, the, that galaxy, is going to slam into the Milky Way in billions of years. Mm-hmm. Who knows what star could potentially come by then that has life on it and yeah. we find you know it's it's similarly like um, us maybe but it's like pollen you know it's yeah. like it's like it flies through the air and then lands someplace and it it creates another civil it creates a new tree right yeah similarly it's kind of like the same thing we're doing here like i think all we can basically do if we had the ability to capture all the energy from our stars and just chill chill out <laughs> yeah well that, mean, and that was another one as well as like okay these guys if they have this intelligence level then they're probably just chilling at home like well they've created this perfect place to be they don't think? need to go anywhere else i mean because it's there's plenty of energy out there like it's just scarce it's just scarce for us to consume it mm-hmm. like we, we don't have the means to right to like harvest it I guess, harvest right? it more than what we have but if we could solve that problem and Say we could, you know, go get more resources from like Mars or like mine an asteroid or something. You know, like we would have plenty of plenty for everybody. Yeah, we, we would have plenty for everybody to live like the richest person on the planet. These asteroids you know? that have like two hundred fifty billion tons of gold in them or something. <laughs> yeah, like the, the universe is not scarce. Like the Earth, I guess, is scarce. Right. But yeah, like this whole. I think we would we just find out that the world is a lot more boring. Like the mm. universe is a lot, just like there's not a lot going on. It's Sweet. like a sad existence. <laughs> well, anyway, <laughs> I hope, uh, thanks. All <laughs> but, we're doing is sitting around watching Netflix and telling, yeah, telling each what, other stories. That's what those aliens are doing right now watching this. This is a great season for them. That's, that's this right. Is like, this is like oh. season four of Game of Thrones. Did you see the one where they're in pandemic? Yeah. <laughs> Why do they talk like that? <laughs> I don't know. That was my alien voice. Yeah. Bleep, blurp, blurp. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're they're loving this episode. They're probably, uh, you know, like like a tweet I saw. They're like, "Why did they talk about those murder hornets if they're not going to be part of the story? <laughs> like, there's no point in including those murder hornets. Well, that was just a waste of time. Totally waste of time. Just red herring. Big plot hole. Yeah. Why introduce a new character if you're not going to have it be part of? Well, I think situation. it's the same thing as we saw with that article talking about another swine flu. Like, it's That's just true. people looking for fear clicks. Yeah. Fear clicks. Murder hornets and new swine flu. Yeah. Well, go check out the Fermi paradox. I. Go ahead. Well, Sorry. I was just going to bring up 
I do think a lot of, of the government cover-ups of like UFOs is certainly strange. Yeah. And there's been a lot of very odd sightings. I mean, we've covered one of them. Yeah. I mean, like I, I kind of believe that Navy pilot. Yeah. Like I don't listen to him and think he's like making up stories. Yeah, unless and, like, he's like gone off the deep end out in retirement. I don't know, but like... And because the biggest thing for me is if we could somehow like figure out a way that it was even theoretically possible to go fast in the speed of light, then I can, it kind of, that opens up a lot of things. Uh, and as they kind of are theorizing that it's some kind of like gravitational gravity propulsion system. Yeah. Who knows? I'm also not convinced that like uh, Mark Zuckerberg is not an alien. Could be. Yeah. <laughs> Who else would be an alien for Elon you? Elon Musk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Those guys are just otherworldly. Yeah. Yeah. Either that or they're just AI. They're sentient AI. Michael, one thing I learned this week is that spiciness is not a taste. Yeah. Did you know this? It makes sense, I think. So it's a sensation right. created by the trigeminal nerve. <laughs> <laughs> My pronunciation just keeps getting worse. <laughs> Um, taste buds use a different nerve okay. and it's not one of the five tastes that we, um, associate with taste buds. Yeah, t- tastes are sweet, sour, bitter, salty, and umami. I wow. Believe. Yeah. Pulled that out of your... Umami is like a savory... Well, you just took everything thing. I learned. Oh, sorry. <laughs> That's what I learned this week. <laughs> Talk about your all-time greatest backfires. Yeah. Well... Yeah. But yeah, spiciness, spiciness is really just like a pain receptor. Yeah. Um, that we are like the only animals on the planet that like it. Really? Yeah. There's one other I, I saw okay. that does uh, like a rat that likes it. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're the only known non-mammal, I think. Or I, I don't know. We're the only animal yeah. that eats really spicy food. All the other like... Fruits and, and chilies and stuff have this to make it so that mammals don't eat them. Oh, wow. But yeah, we okay. like them. Yeah, I do like spicy food. One thing I learned this week, really today, today is the 84th anniversary of the publication of Gone with the Wind. Okay. And the movie, when it was released three years later, was the third most expensive movie uh, of all time. It was at $3.5 million. It was only behind Ben-Hur at $4.5 million and Hell's Angels, which was $4 million. And a lot of that expenditure uh, was due to its length. The final cut of the movie was over 20,000 feet long. Oh, wow. Originally, it was 500,000 feet. What? The film, yeah. That's insane. Yep. That's a very long movie. I don't give a damn. (laughs) (laughs) Michael, tell me what you know about caves. (laughs) Caves. Caves. I mean... I'm going to be interested to see what there is to know about them. <laughs> <laughs> Holes in the ground or in a, in a mountain, maybe. Yeah. It's basically an opening inside of the earth. Yeah. Uh, That's basically what it is. There's bats in there, some stalactites and stalagmites. There you go. Don't ask me which one's which. Stalactites. But yeah, you know they're different. Yeah. One comes from the floor up and one from the ceiling down. Good job. But they're both created by dripping water like minerals in the water basically basically yeah that solidify over time you've been in a few caves michael i've been spelunking okay (laughs) yeah i'm a little claustrophobic though i'm not a big uh, cave guy 
Oh, they're freaky as hell. I, I don't like when I even like watching somebody between two tight rocks or something. I don't want to do that. Oh yeah, I mean it's really. No one even get me started on like underwater caves. Oh, what the hell? Yeah, you have a death wish. The Thai, uh, the Thai boys. They yeah, got, they got trapped. That's right. They had to get like taken out. Thank God for Elon Musk. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah, they said they had to like um, sedate some of the kids because they were worried that. You know, freak if you, out or if you freak out, you try to grab onto whoever else and you end up drowning them too. Yeah. So it's, it's bad. Mm. Anyway, right, yeah, it's about... so spooky. Okay, so caves. Uh, caves. I don't know. Tell me more about caves. Yeah, I mean, you pretty much nailed in the Thanks. definition. <laughs> yeah, caves, a natural opening or yeah. void in the ground. Yeah. Um, strictly speaking, a cave is deeper than it is wide. Okay. Uh, if it isn't, if this isn't the case, it's, a cavern. it's classified as a rock shelter. Okay. Yeah. Cave, cavern, same. Rock shelter. I'm going to open this. going to be a, my new uh, rock shelter music venue. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> I, that was one thing I didn't like go fully into, but there are like a lot of um, like people that talk about the acoustics of caves. Yeah. And there are some music <clears throat> venues like 300 feet down yeah. that you go down and they, they're like perfect oh, wow. instruments, you know? Yeah. And in fact, as I was reading into this, they actually noticed that there were um, like potentially places where our ancient ancestors were using the caves maybe to like project a voice or something mm-hmm. like create music or something inside of these caves anyway yeah. it's pretty cool call um, out, call out to their alien friends yeah maybe uh so they're found everywhere in the world yeah but uh like the majority of caves uh occur in limestone mm-hmm. um so it's kind of difficult because like there could be a lot of caves that are kind of undiscovered yeah right so it's like kind of stumble upon these big openings and you don't really know how big they'll open. Uh, so China has the most exposed limestone, but some of the fewest documented caves. So it's thought that they'd probably have some big, big caves in inland China yeah. that just haven't been discovered yet. Oh, wow. Yeah. Huh. Um, so let's get into some types of caves. Okay. All right. Wait. So, yeah. <laughs> so there are solutional caves. Uh-huh. Uh, these, this is like the most common these form in rocks that are soluble, like a limestone, right? So, um, so most limestone caves, ah, like a solution, right? Not soluble. like an answer, gotcha. right? Well, so they they think they're created, not think they they know that they're created based upon um, kind of like the runoff from carbonic acid or sulfuric acid. Mm-hmm. So carbonic acid is like rainwater and has like natural um, carbonic acid in it. And other natural acids that kind of slowly erode the limestone and kind of and create the cave. Mm-hmm. But another way it could happen is that um, there's hydrogen sulfide gas that's beneath the earth, earth coming up, and then that mixes with the rainwater and creates like a sulfuric acid, mm. and that kind of creates the cave from the bottom up. So ma- the majority of them are like you know runoff. They're sometimes located at like um, places where the earth is already cracking or. or um, uh, fault lines kind of yeah. thing so you kind of mentioned you mentioned these stalactites um stalagmites uh helictites soda straws flow stones these are because uh limestone they're basically all covered in calcium yeah so when the water comes through it and just keeps running and running like this calcium buildup happens and this is where a lot of these these things these flow stones happen the stalactites uh fall from the ceiling okay stalagmites rise from the floor yeah uh, there's columns that are like completely connected and then there are soda straws that are like, they have like holes, in holes them. in them. They look like straws that come down. Huh. And I think, you know, depending on where in the cave they kind of develop, I think dictates 
how these get get created. But yeah, it's mostly right. just like buildup of calcium. Yeah. <clears throat> so an example of um, these types of caves would be Luray Caverns here in Virginia. Not mm. too far. Don't Very know about common. Those. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like one of those I always see commercials for. Like, yeah. come to Luray Caverns. Huh. They got like lights and stuff in it. You can go look <clears throat> at weird bugs and stuff. Yeah. All right. So then there are primary caves. Okay. A primary cave is a cave that forms at the same time in which the rock was created. So these would be created from like lava tubes. Wow. Yeah. Um, example of this would be a lot of the Canary Islands have a lot of these. So like lava coming up and like a hot lava spout or something yeah. comes out and then it cools and it has this cave. Um, <laughs> then there are sea caves or literal caves. Uh, they're found along the coast, formed mostly by like constant waves crashing and usually at points of weakness, like a jutting out and then the waves just keep pounding into this place, pounding in. Yeah. Um, there are corrosional caves or erosional caves formed entirely again by erosion. These could even be like created by some wind, uh, sand going over and over. Anyways. Yeah. There are glacier caves. Okay. So these are formed by melting ice and flowing water underneath gl- glaciers. So you can be like walking under and maybe seeing. It, they sometimes get uh, misidentified as ice caves, but it's not the same. Uh, yeah, supposedly they're <laughs> not the same. That's what I would imagine. Like, just you're beneath a glacier and you're like in a cave. I would imagine that's like an ice cave. But I think they they might qualify that or uh, classify that as a glacier cave. Okay. Yeah. Whoever um, they is, or whoever. Yeah, these cave studiers. Yeah. These <laughs> geologists. Cavemen. Uh, then there's fracture caves. These are formed when layers of more soluble minerals dissolve out between the layers of less soluble rocks. So this would be some mixture, mm. then something totally erodes, leaving the harder rock, and now you've got a fracture cave. Okay. Uh, you've got a lot more caves than I'd imagined. Yeah. How many you got there? Two more. <laughs> Talus caves. These are formed by openings um, among large boulders that have fallen from like cliffs. Okay. So uh, say you've got like a, a point on a cliff where like the... the boulders just keep falling over and over and they fracture as they hit the ground and then like the build up these little entries in yep. here could be caves okay um and then there are uh ankylene caves usually coastal contains a mixture of salt and fresh water last but not least yeah don't forget about the ankylenes um i don't so even know how to look that word up I'm not <laughs> sure what it is. yeah no <laughs> ankylene caves. you get that in a spelling bee yeah i'm out i'm done um let's talk about some animals mm. all right so bats and- yeah, we're gonna go into bats. That's the main one we're gonna go into. But there you are, didn't mention bat caves. <laughs> I did not. No. Um, animals that live their entire lives in caves are called troglobites. Troglobites. Yeah, okay. There was a movie. I didn't realize. Like, I never heard this prefix, but trog. T r o g. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Is there a thing in Fortnite with this? No. Because I when I searched, trog, I think it's. There was a I think like. There's a word very similar to that that I think is like really derogatory. So there's a, um, I think you might be thinking of troglodyte. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So that's just, it's basically just like a cave person, like a caveman, but like I, it, it does have a, yeah. a negative context. Right. Yeah. Um, animals that can live their entirety in caves, but also exist in other environments are called troglophiles. Yeah. Uh, and animals that use caves, they don't necessarily live in them, but they use them are uh, troglozines. Okay. So those are kind of like the three breakdowns. Um, and obviously this is kind of a weird environment. Animals that live in these caves have odd characteristics. Uh, some of them have loss of pigments. Some of them don't have any eyes. 
Some of them have enhanced senses, mm -hmm. like bats have a sonar system. Um, and some even have an ability to feel vibrations in water and, you know, deduct where their predators are and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, some grow like extra long appendages. Obviously, this is a harsh world. Yeah. It's like when you th hear about all those <clears throat> animals that live in the Mariana Trench and yeah. stuff like that. They have all these weird, it's like a, it's a different planet. Totally. Almost. Yeah. Because it's, it's like you would never think, how would you survive down here? And then you, like, we're going to get into some of the bats, but it's like, how or why would you choose to stay in here? <laughs> and this is where you're like the survival of the fittest. Mm -hmm. I'm the great in the cave. Right. Yeah. Okay. You, um, you don't want to play them at home. <laughs> do not. Yeah. Get them out. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about some bats. Um, so we're talking about the senses that they have. So a lot of people know about echolocation. Mm -hmm. This is how some bats create Sonar. their surroundings. Yeah. Uh, so they classify bats into two categories, micro bats and mega bats. Okay. Micro bats use echolocation to produce an image of their surroundings. Okay. Some mega bats use echolocation, but most, most large bats have like big eyes and they can actually see better than humans. Mm. Um, and, and they're really um, acclimated to low light. So when we're talking about micro bats and mega bats, how do you know the size of these things? Uh, like, I don't know. I had a bat in my room one time. Was that a micro bat or a mega bat? Uh, <laughs> I, I'd seen the classification mostly be like my mega bats, big bats will eat like they're mostly like fruit eating. Okay. Micro bats are ones that mostly live in caves and they're small. Bugs, maybe insects and stuff. Bugs and insects, mm -hmm. yeah. <clears throat> um, but as again, like some megabats will use echolocation. Okay. It's just not as, I think like 97% of micro bats do it. Okay. All right. Um, so yeah, they emit a sound using their larynx uh, and then wait for the sound to return. Mm -hmm. uh, some of these bats can make sounds between 60 and 140 decibels. So that's the loudness. Mm. And then uh, the pitch uh, is can be out completely outside of the range of our hearing, so they can they can emit a pitch fourteen thousand to hundred thousand hertz. Humans oh, wow. hear somewhere between twenty and twenty thousand hertz, with the majority of like the sounds we hear twenty around, like, 5, and twenty thousand. Okay, yeah. Oh wow, okay. twenty twenty. That's like the absolute two zero spectrum. to twenty thousand. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Full spectrum, um, but the bats can have fourteen thousand to hundred thousand hertz, so mm. really high pitched. Gotcha. Um, it reading about it was kind of interesting. They, they they really make it seem like these bats have like a complete picture, like a map. Yeah, of the whole yeah. Which oh, it's like uh, the thing Lucius Fox made for I, Christian Bale. Yeah, I think that's maybe the best representation of it. Yeah, yeah, nuts. Um, but you can imagine doing that, like having to supposedly they they have like a, a cycle of emitting the pitch because mm -hmm. it will actually, it can deafen them. So they have to like close off their ear when they're emitting the pitch, but then open it up back like real quick to hear the pitch coming back. It's, it's very odd. I'm um, sure that somebody could kind of clarify that yeah. for me, but it was, it's very impressive. But they must um, essentially have like stopwatches in their brains. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, the, and they have a couple other like, um, and like, and just like f formulas and, and, like that are it's like okay if i hear this sound in 0.4 seconds i know this wall is 20 meters away from me or something. or, or they also have some doppler effect okay. uh ways of doing it. so like i emitted a pitch at this and now it's coming back to me at a higher pitch or some yeah so it's like that thing's going away from me uh -huh. versus coming at me um and you know if you're having to go catch a little bug that's flying around like kind of erratically it must be really tough in the yeah. dark yeah and 
microbats don't really have eyes as we kind of get to vision. Um, yeah, as I said, megabats have really excellent vision, like better than humans, mm-hmm. really good low light. Microbats basically just have like some vision that can tell them maybe pick up some UV rays. A little but, movement maybe. But maybe a little bit, but or maybe I know where I am, but I couldn't really like mm-hmm. tell you where, um, start, tell you everything in my surroundings. Start calling their kids by the wrong names. Come <laughs> <Right. laughs> <laughs> closer. Okay. Exactly. I thought you were John. Yeah. Uh, they have magneto reception. So bats use the Earth's magnetic field to orient itself north south. Mm. So they're like really sensitive to it. And then the other thing they have is uh, this attribute called torpor. T-O-R-P-O-R. Yeah, no. So they can drop their body temperatures. Okay. Um, and, and typically bats have a constant temp- temperature like us, they're mammals. Um, but they can drop their body temperatures to 43 to 86 degrees. And in these states, they can survive, you know, a lot longer without food or water sustenance. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that kind of, they, they enter a, um, you know, a hibernation. Yeah. To get through long winters or in some places like long summers. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and they also can't store fat very well. So uh, they eat a bunch. Like they can't, I guess they'll just burn it off. And, and the micro bats supposedly like expend a lot of energy. Yeah. So when they're not doing anything, they like really try to, um, you know, not expend a lot of energy. So this is where this torpor comes in. Naturally. They like just drop their core temperature. Yeah. Kind of cool. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about some of the largest, biggest, and grandest mm-hmm. caves. Now we're out of animals. We're out of animals. Yeah. Bats sleep upside down. <laughs> Always <You> forgot that. <laughs> uh, so the greatest total length cave is Mammoth Cave in Kentucky, mm. four hundred miles. Documented. Documented. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the longest surveyed underwater cave is uh, Sistema Sac Actun in Yucatan, Mexico. It is two hundred eight miles long. Okay. Uh, the deepest known cave. I'm going to butcher this. Vario Vario Cave in <laughs> Abkhazia, Abkhazia, Georgia. Okay. Uh, is that near Atlanta? <laughs> exactly. That was such a terrible. There is, there Can you is, cut that out? I don't there, just, I'm embarrassed I said that. Oh, no, it's staying in. <laughs> I've kept many embarrassing things in that I've said. Yeah, mostly it's you just saying something wrong. <laughs> <laughs> that, was me, that was me trying to joke. Not always. Uh, oh, I had a really bad joke the other week. Well, yes. I, what it, I mean, every, every show. <laughs> um. This cave is 7,231 feet deep. It's pretty nuts. That is nuts. Uh, the largest known room is uh, the Sarawak Chamber in Malaysia. Okay. Uh, it's a part of the Clearwater Cave System, the largest cave system by cubic feet, 130 million cubic feet. Mm. Uh, the largest passage is, and I think that by passage, they mean it's just like super wide and also a cave, so like you can keep okay. going into it. Um, the Son Dong Cave in Vietnam. Son Dong. Yeah. That's right. Uh, 2.9 miles long. It was discovered in 1991. I mean, it doesn't seem that long ago to be, so, to be discovering the largest passage. Yeah. Um, and then the coolest cave, and if you like, go to, go to YouTube and search this cave up, uh, the Cave of Swallows in Mexico. Okay. Uh, it's the biggest cave shaft. So it's 400 meters it can engulf the Empire State Building. And there's pictures or videos of guys uh, base jumping uh-huh. into it. And I they have to just drop all the way in. Yeah. I think that was in Planet Earth. Yeah. David Attenborough was mm-hmm. talking about these guys. Really cool video. What's it called? Uh, the Cave of Swallows. Cave of Swallows. Yeah, in Mexico. 
Um, obviously, there's a lot of other like crazy sinkholes that yeah. kind of can be extremely deep, and I guess you could classify those as caves. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's just the real quick. Have you seen breakdown. that? Uh, it's like it looks. I, I'm guessing this is a real place. It's like a cave. And that it's like a really big opening, and then there's a beach on, in it. You know what I'm talking about? Mm. And it's like on three sides. It's like surrounded by rock. The rock goes over the the water as well, but then you can get to the ocean. I haven't seen that. Uh, I don't know. I'll have to could, look for that. Picture. I feel like it's like a desktop that. background, like a stock yeah. background on somebody's like PC or something. It should but, be something that is only exists on like Avatar, right? Or whatever. It's probably in like the Maldives or something. Yeah. Or the Maldives are just little islands. I don't know. It's like somewhere tropical. Some place you'd like to hang out for a little while. For sure. Get some R&R. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, that's caves. I know more about caves than I ever thought I would. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Caves. <laughs> that's it for this week's episode. Make sure to like and subscribe if you enjoyed it. You can follow us on Instagram at TMWYK underscore podcast and on Twitter at TMWYK pod. Have a great weekend and we'll see all you beautiful people for a new episode next Friday. 